0: Today, on this third Sunday in the season of Lent, we continue our exploration of the fruits of the Spirit with a look at the virtue of gratitude. We hear from Paul's letter to the early churches of Philippi. Let us open our ears, our imaginations, and our hearts and listen in on their correspondence as if it had been written for us. Rejoice in the Lord, always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God in spirit, for the word of God among us, thanks be to God.
1: Thank you, Pat. I invite us all to begin with some prayer. God, as we ponder this letter written so many years ago, may we also ponder the goodness and the truth, the honor, the nobility that is you and the ways that you stir in our lives. And may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all our hearts be truly acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our rock and our redeemer. And let the people say, Amen. As Pat mentioned, we continue in this series of the fruits of the spirit. And today we talk about gratitude. And at one point in the sermon, I'm gonna invite you just to uh, participate in the chat or even speak out loud, here something. So you might prepare for that if you have something to share. We heard from the scripture, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And in looking out on the gallery view of all of you, it makes me rejoice to see all your faces gathered in your homes as best we can right now. It also says, do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In talking to you today about the fruit of the spirit we call gratitude, I also want to talk about its counterpart, which is not necessarily ingratitude, but is often negativity and anxiety. And over the past week, my guess is that you had a few frustrations along the way, a few things that maybe caused you to look a little sourly on life, or to get frustrated, or even be negative. Maybe someone you live with had a bad attitude and that set the tone for you and everybody else in the household. Or they left something out that you tripped over and or had to clean up. Or maybe you're just sick of this lingering time we fall into in winter and the seesawing of temperatures above and below freezing. Or maybe you were on hold forever with some company on the phone and then you had to deal with a rude customer service agent. Or perhaps worse, your email was hacked or you received a fraud notice on your most frequently used debit or credit card and had to replace it and thus reconfigure all the other accounts. I'm sure you can think of something that got in your way this week. And I'm well aware that some of us are dealing with more underlying and even more substantial problems like a visit to the ER or the hospital or an ongoing cancer treatment or some kind of health scare or maybe your job is in jeopardy or you lost it or you're having trouble finding a new one, or you lost a close friend or family member in the past several months. These are many of the ways, there's also the ways that the news, which we watch all the time and I often say, skillfully and constantly plays to our fears and anxieties and reminds us regularly of how far we fall short. Here is a nation, and as humanity across the globe, how far we fall short to God's ideas of the fruits of the spirit, which is what we're considering here together during this Lent. And I know that all of us are feeling drained by the ways that this pandemic keeps dragging on unpredictably. So let's just all take a breath together. The truth is is that we human beings are very well equipped to look for annoyances, inconveniences, even to focus inordinately on the hardships of life, things that seem out of place, that don't square with our view of perfection. A former colleague and local pastor was surprised when she first started getting to know her congregation in Cambridge. After worship, there always seemed to be at least a few critical barbs lobbed up to her at the door like a typo in the order of worship, or a grammatical mistake here or there, or a flaw in the argument of the sermon, or a problem with the building, all sorts of things. And she was stunned at first. It was a different group of people than she'd hung out before. She was even a bit despairing. And she wondered, what swarm of gadflies have I come to serve here? And then it dawned on her, I am serving a congregation full of academics and administrators. It's their job to critique. That's what they are trained and hired to do, and they do it so well. As a pastor, I have seen that the more high-achieving, the more accomplished the people, the higher the level of critique. And as I get to know people better, I find a higher level of self-critique, sometimes even self-loathing. In our ongoing judgment of the world around us, we critics often end up being hardest on ourselves, and we often learn this from our parents or some other well-meaning person who wanted to see us do well in life, or maybe they were just harsh on us unnecessarily. Some of us may have grown up in constant negativity, a regular diet of it. The other chief factor I've noticed in high-achieving people is a high-level of anxiety and the insidious thing about anxiety is that it is often the motivating engine that propels us to get things done. For a lot of us, the psychological stick is what beats us on our way to the finish line. I don't believe, however, that this is faithful or spiritually holistic in a way to exist. The letter we just heard says, do not worry about anything, echoing Jesus' own words in the gospel. We are to have hearts and prayers brimming with thanksgiving gratitude sounds nice but how often it's hard to achieve people who have been researching positive psychology have found that human beings are quite similar to our other animal relations in that we are hardwired for this kind of anxiety and our brains are designed to be scanning the horizon for potential predators and other threats we can't help it As one researcher puts it, our brains are like Velcro for negativity and Teflon for positivity. However, positive psychologists have also found that we can actually rewire our brains. By changing our minds to think more positively, we can effectively change our neural pathways. It takes time. It takes repeated, consistent effort. In fact, we have to be willing to stay centered on positive things five to 10 times longer than we do on negative things in order for them to stick in our brains. But over time, we can change that in ourselves. And actually, they're discovering change the structure of our brains. And if you're concerned about whether people still get things done without anxiety, a lot of these positive psychologists researchers have found that a more positive mindset actually makes us more productive, more effective, healthier, happier. And this is liberating, good news indeed. It's good scientific news. And it lines up with good spiritual news. And I'll tell you, the researchers agree that one of the best antidotes for changing our minds and keeping healthy brains is to include regular practices of gratitude. I may have shared with you before that a couple years ago, a rabbinical colleague shared with those of us in the Brookline interfaith clergy that she used to be a consistently negative person. She was always able to find the fly in the ointment, the soot and smears on her window of the world. And so she began working with a spiritual director who introduced her to the practice of musar, M-U-S-S-A-R. You can look it up later, not during the sermon, but please look it up later. A sort of rediscovered practice of using very clear practices to develop and strengthen one's ethical and spiritual life. And her director began with her with a practice of listing 100 blessings throughout her day, writing those 100 blessings down every day for 30 consecutive days. The trick was she couldn't repeat any of them. And over, so over a month, she had to identify 3,000 different blessings. And so she started out the first day determined, armed with a new journal and her favorite pen, and she walked out and she saw the sunny sky and she wrote it down as a blessing. Then she saw some pink flowers and she wrote that down. Then she saw the nice terracotta pot that the flowers were in and she wrote that down. And then she was stuck. She honestly couldn't think of anything else. And she paused for a long time before she realized, well, I can give thanks for the dark green leaves on the flower plant. Okay, write it down. I can give thanks for the light green re- leaves on the flower plant. Write it down. And she kept at it after 30 days and 3,000 blessings. And she will tell you, it transformed her life. And I can attest that this colleague of ours now shows the kind of gentle rejoicing that Paul advocates for in his letter to the Philippians. After that meeting a couple years ago, she led 15 of our interfaith colleagues in three to five minutes of writing down 30 blessings that we encountered before we arrived there. You can start putting those in the chat if you'd like to, the blessings that you've already had your day. And we hurriedly scribbled them down And then shared them with one another and they included things like waking up, a loving spouse, coffee, running water, flush toilets, a good colleague, spring sunshine, budding trees, a car that started, and on and on. We found ourselves giving thanks for things and people that we too often take for granted or things that we were once thankful for, but we had stopped honoring like say, getting into college or a school that you wanna go to or having a job or having a faith community that sustains us, things that once had been exciting to us, but had lost some of their sheen at some point. We were taking time to acknowledge the many individual parts of the whole interdependent web of existence that makes our lives possible. So as I said, I invite you in this worship to share some of those those things that you are grateful for, that are blessings in your life. I'm trying to look at them here. Music from the DeSelms family, tea made by my partner this morning, fresh baked bread, lucky Rodine household, online yoga classes with favorite teachers, knitting, blue skies in New York, thank you, Diana, my daughter asking when I can speak with her today, all those who knit as we worship, a warm cat on my lap, our dog, dogs who snuggle with each other, especially when they weren't getting along before, loving my job, music, Sunday omelet with fresh vegetables, my wonderful husband who brings me coffee in bed, amen. My husband who did our taxes this morning, amen, amen. A frigid, frigid motorcycle rides around the block. A vaccinated parent. All of you. Being a morning person. Thanks be to God, and God bless you. And on and on, we can share those. It's a good practice. In our Lenten group this afternoon with the 20s, 30s group, and tomorrow evening for everyone and anyone who wants to come, we have questions about gratitude that we encourage you to take part in. And you can do it on your own. They are at the end of the order of worship. You can find them on our website, on our live streaming page, or our Lenten page. Take some time to reflect on gratitude this week and maybe start your own list. I encourage you, I urge you, for the sake of your own mind and spiritual well-being as we head toward Easter, to find a friend, a colleague, a loved one, a prayer partner, and give yourself five minutes or so to make your own list. You don't have to do 30 a day. Positive psychologists say three a day as a regular practice is a good way to do it. Be as specific as possible. Try not to repeat any of them. And then share them with that trusted friend. And if you're really spiritually brave, I challenge you to do it for the next 30 days and see what happens, or just for the remaining 27 days of Lent. This isn't just a quick tonic approach, that you're feeling bad and then you remind yourself of something you're grateful for, although that can be helpful and is a good thing to do. This is a regular diet, regular exercise approach to life, like taking your vitamins, eating healthfully, moving your body every day consistently. I invite you to start by remembering that God has given you life, and when you wake up, Rather than going to that anxious place, see if you can counteract it and just give thanks for another day of the gift of life that God has given you. The same at evening. And as always, I encourage us always to say grace before our meals, to not lose this habit, to cultivate this habit, whether we're alone or with other people, because it all didn't start with us. It started somewhere bigger and greater, which is part of the reason we all come together like this on a regular basis. Because you and I, beloved, are called, as children of God, to offer ourselves our lives with prayer and gratitude and to keep our minds on whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, we are to think about these things. And the God of peace will be with us. May it be so. Amen.